0: Okay, so um, Making Disciples, um, session one, that's where we are. And uh, with all of that behind us now, knowing we're in a battle, I wanted to begin with the fact that the church is the most important institution in the world. And we are watching on our TV screens, we are reading in the newspapers about Brexit, about Trump and North Korea, about all the political maneuverings that are going on. We read about, um, you know, the lifestyles of the rich and famous. We have all of that on in front of us. And none of it compares to the church, the work of God in the body of Christ. None of it. It is more important. I mean, I actually think, you know, these children's books you get, you know, uh, Spot Did This. Do you remember those books? Spot, Spot Did This and Spot Did That. Well, I think that all of the world's things are Spot Did This. And our things in the church are like Macbeth or um, Othello or some of the great Shakespeare plays. That's the comparison. What the world puts all of its energy into is basically a children's comic book or a tiny thing. And our church, what we are about and what we are now going to attempt to go into is just like... Uh, Romeo and Juliet or Shakespeare or Othello or King Lear or any of those, it is magnificent in comparison. And that's what we have to hold in our mind all the time. We belong to a magnificent, majestic, amazing God. And his, his temple, which is us, is also majestic and amazing and magnificent. And so though we are fighting to uphold this temple, nonetheless it is glorious, and there is victory in it. We are headed for victory. Um, if you turn to first peter, yeah first peter chapter one verse uh, twenty three to twenty five um, uh, For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. We have been born again by the living and enduring word of God. Our, our landscape is eternity Our uh, vision is through from time beginning to time end. You can't have time beginning and time end on eternity, but just never-ending glory. And that's what we have to maintain in our minds because the enemy is always at work trying to cloud our vision, trying to drag us down to the mud, trying to get us involved in stuff that has no meaning. No meaning. Brexit will mean nothing in, in, in a, th- a hundred years. It will mean nothing. Yes. Trump will be gone yes. in 50. Yes. It's this, what we are spending our time on, what we are afraid of, what all the things that the enemy is doing that are causing us to be afraid or to be distracted have no meaning in the eternal plan of God. They are nothing, nothing. They're like dust, They're like the flower of grass which withers and fades away. And we have to keep that in our minds. We belong to the God who is victorious. We belong to the creator of all things. And his work is magnificent. Um, Peter is quoting here from Isaiah. Isaiah 40, 40, verse 3 to 8... um, actually a lot from Isaiah. Let me just read you some of those verses. Um, Isaiah chapter 40, verse... Three to 8. A voice is calling. Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up and every mountain and hill made low. And let the rough ground become a plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice calls. A voice says, call out. Then he answered, What shall I call out? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades. But the word of our God stands forever. Verse 17. Um, All the nations are as nothing before him. They are regarded by him as less than nothing and meaningless. Verse 21, um, do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He it is who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they been planted, scarcely have they been sown, scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth, but he merely blows on them and they wither and the storm carries them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me, that I would be his equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars. The one who leads forth their host by number, he calls them all by name. Because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. This is the God that we belong to, this God who will blow on the nations and they will disappear, who, w- who has holds everything in the palm of his hand, who says to you, no matter where you are and no matter what your situation, I am for you. Don't look at your circumstances. Don't look at your trouble. Keep your eyes on me. Do not allow the enemy of your soul to distract and deceive you because he will drag you away. He will drag you away down roads you never want to go down and where you will find it so hard to get yourself back. Mm -hmm. Hold on to the truth. This is the truth of God. He is a glorious, majestic God and everything else is not how it appears. The thing is, we see with our human eyes and it looks like we're looking at reality, but the Bible tells us over and over again what we see is the shadow What we see with our eyes is not real. It is the illusion. Reality is all that God has prepared. Eye has not seen. Ear has not heard. Mind has not conceived. All that God has prepared for those who love him. We look at a temporary, momentary illusion and there is a glorious reality that we are to keep our eyes focused on. Now of course that's hard that's so hard when your children are suffering or when you're suffering or or it's so hard to do and that's why we need each other. That's why we're in a body. That's why we're supposed to come around each other and pray and stand together and hold up our arms. You know, I hold your arms, you hold mine when I can't do it. That is what we are to be about. We're supposed to be understanding and compassionate and merciful and gracious and loving and kind and patient and all those things with one another so that the person who needs your compassion actually receives God's compassion through you. That's what we're about. And it is that that we have to hold on to. Honestly, we have to hold on to it so tightly these days because everything you read and everything you look at is dragging you away Dragging you down, dragging you down. And so um, Matthew chapter 16, uh, verse 18, Jesus, who has just spoken to his disciples, he's in the crowds and he says to them, who do you say that I am? Or who do people say that I am? And, and, and they say, some say this and some say that and some say a rabbi. And, and then he turns and he says to uh, Peter, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, on the basis of that, I will build my church. And what? The gates of Hades will not prevail against it. You are his church. You are the church that Christ is building. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against you. The gates of Hades, death, Satan, all of that... uh, all of the wickedness and evil that is, we are confronted with in our world, all of the confusion and the chaos and everything that the enemy is stirring up every day will not prevail against us because God has ordained that you will march on in victory. And you just need to hold on to these thoughts, otherwise your peace will be destroyed and your joy will disappear. Hold on. And when you can't hold on, get on the phone and call someone and say, I can't hold on today. Won't you help me? That's what we have to do for each other. We have to do that. Um, We're going to finish this course in eight weeks. Well, not eight weeks, quite a few weeks because of the summer break. But we're going to finish this course uh, by taking a look at the church, actually, the body of Christ, and how God is has built it and and has empowered it. Um, But for the most part, this this, uh, course is about us fulfilling the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. Um, If someone goes there, Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. Um, If you could just read those three verses, please. 18 to 20.
1: Jesus came up
2: and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the
3: nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son,
2: and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always,
4: even to the end of the age."
0: Thank you. This is the way that Jesus is building his church. What did he say to Matthew, Uh, to Peter? uh, Who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says on that, on the fact that I am the Christ, that statement, I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, I will build my church. And he has done that and is doing that through you and I. He does that through believers. He doesn't have to. He could do it any which way. He could just... Right in the sky, the stars could all suddenly form the gospel message in the sky. He doesn't have to use us, but he does. So what do you know then about this commission to go and make disciples? What do you know? If God doesn't need you, but he's, he's asking you to do this, what do you know about making disciples? It's what, you to do. it's what you have to do, yeah. But if he doesn't need you to do it, he could do it any which way. Why is he asking us to do it? It's good for us because he wants to include us. It's to his glory. glory. Why else? It'll grow us us up. Go ahead. Because you're available. Yes, all those things are true. But the basic bottom line is because it will fill you with joy to do what he has called you to do because there is nothing more wonderful than knowing you are in the will of God that you have surrendered all to this God who gave everything for you that you have said to him I am all in I am all in you can take whatever it is that I have I am going on with you that will fill your mind and your heart and your soul with joy With joy. That's why he's given us a commission. He doesn't have to do that. He can sit us in a chair and say, just wait there till I come back. You can be like waiting for a number 10 bus, you know, and every other number goes by and you just got to keep on waiting until he shows up. But he doesn't do that. He gives us things, work that he created in advance for us to do, Ephesians 2 will tell us. And why did he create work in advance for us to do? Because you and I are going to be blessed beyond description, by doing the things that he has called us to do. So if you're sitting here, well, you are sitting here, but if you're thinking in your head, I don't know if I'm all in, what will that mean? I believe in the Lord Jesus. I know he's real. I know he saved me. And I love him for doing that, but I'm just not sure I'm ready to be all in. Then hear him say, I will bless you beyond your wildest dreams. I will do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond anything you can ask or think. Give yourself to me entirely. Give yourself to my work and you will know a joy and a peace that really does pass all understanding. I can tell you that is true. That is true for my life. It is true. There are still bits and pieces that I'm sure he's showing me over time that I still have to surrender up. I'm not saying that I'm where I should be. But I can say like Paul, not that I have already attained it, but I press on. I press on toward the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And if you are thinking, shall I or shan't I, by the end of this course, please say yes. Please say yes to God for your own sake. Because he doesn't need you. He wants you. Because he wants to bless you. Matthew 28, um, 18 to 20. It's the commission, the great commission. Um, Everybody talks about it. Um, all churches, if you go into, they'll all talk about this at some stage that we're to go and make disciples. And most of the time, it's talked about. And and lots of churches do mission trips or even outreach. You know, they do outreach things. We do that outreach things. We do. Uh, we don't do mission trips yet, but maybe someday. Um, so it's always about going out, okay, go and do that. So we all come together and we have a great time and then we sort of make up our mind, two weeks in the summer, I'm going to Somalia or I'm going to go to Ethiopia or I'm going to go here and I'm going to make a few disciples and I'm going to come back and live my life. But that's not the word, what the word go means. It means as you go, as you go, as you are proceeding along in your daily life, make disciples, make disciples. Uh, no matter where you are, or where you work, or what you do, or how you do it, understand this. Your life is about making disciples. There's no point to your existence if, or, no, sorry, not to your existence. There is no point to you still remaining on the planet if you are not about that work of making disciples. Making disciples. And it has steps in it. This, this commission has steps in it. Um, uh, Steps to show us how and what he means by making disciples. Because for the most part, the church understands this as go and make converts. Go and make believers. Go and make people who put their trust in the Lord. And of course, it encompasses that, of course. Because someone has to come to Christ and and, uh, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But that's just the beginning of the commission. That's just the start and we are to be about these disciples and us through them. We got the whole thing. We didn't get one section of it. We got the whole commission. Go into all the world. Oh, sorry. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Um, so I wanted to just begin, really, um, first by looking at Acts chapter 11, because all the way through the book of Acts, you see this um, in action, this them doing this commission or taking up the... A command of jesus and doing what he said um because there's no correct formula for this remember i mean we're going to do a session tomorrow and uh, maureen's going to help us with some things that she's been doing and i've got a couple of handouts but there's no correct formula you don't have to learn it by heart it's not a program this is your life this is your whole life this is what you do and um and so, when you see it in the Book of Acts, they hadn't yet had time to collate a lot of material and print a lot of books and and go through a ten-step program. And you know, they hadn't had time for that. They were just living, and speaking. And I mean, in Acts chapter four, I think it is Peter and John have been arrested, and they and they're told, or Acts, yeah, three or four, and they're told, well, we're we're going to let you go, but you've got to stop talking. Stop, stop talking about Jesus and they say to the authorities I don't, well, I don't know if it's right or wrong but we can't stop talking about what we've seen and heard so I have to, I'm challenged by that because I can stop talking about what I've seen and heard I can stop talking about Jesus relatively easily so I want to know okay, what had they seen and heard that I have yet to see and hear so that I will be able to say I can't stop talking about him no matter what So Acts chapter 11, 19 to 21, just a couple of verses. Um, uh, So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord." Um, These three verses, what has happened is Stephen has been stoned, Acts chapter 7, because he's preaching to the Jews and telling them um, about, about Jesus. And there starts from that stoning a great persecution against the believers. And so they are scattered. And because they are scattered, the church grows. It starts to grow and multiply at an enormous rate. So, you see, I can stand in this room and teach the Bible, and Maureen can go on the street, and she and Jill, they can go on the street, and they they can evangelize. They can do that. But if it's only ever one or two people... We can only reach a, f- you know, a certain number of people. I mean, if I were Joel Osteen, I could meet, I'd probably meet uh, you know, thousands of people in an auditorium, but I, we, I can only meet a few people and talk to a few people. But if you take what, what we do and take it out, you can talk to people, and then they will talk to people. And this growth <laughs> is, what do they call it, exponential. You can't contain this. It will just go, and that's what's happening. They were scattered because of persecution. They were scattered. Well, I don't know about you. I'm not being persecuted in a real literal way by anybody in my family or my fr- friends. I mean, people don't talk to me because I'm a Christian, so, you know, that's vaguely it, I suppose. But um, but I'm being persecuted by Satan. I am definitely being persecuted by the enemy. And Paul will say anyone who wants to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's 1st or 2nd Timothy, I can't remember. So if you want to live a godly life, you will be persecuted in some way or another. And Satan will come at you from using different people and different circumstances. That's what I mean by Satan. That's what he does. He'll use circumstances that will come against you, and it will be like persecution. You will feel like the same result as persecution. You know, some people, they go from one sickness to another sickness to another sickness. It's like, when is this going to stop, Lord? I thought that if I did what you wanted me to do, it was all going to be okay. And suddenly you're finding, no, it's not. So there is this intensity of circumstances that Satan is attempting to bring against us. And so um, that persecution is happening. But can you see what God will bring from that persecution? What will he bring? He'll bring a building of the church. Why will that be? How could that be? I mean, who wants to believe in a God who scattered all his people? Going back to Acts chapter 11. How could that be? the
2: scattering, faith that they There you go. There
0: you go. to Yeah, so that scattering, the scattering hasn't caused their uh, collapse. collapse. It's strengthened them. It's strengthened them. You know, if you could have read my journal yesterday, you would have seen that. You know, the first half an hour, I was pouring out to the Lord all the stuff that I'd woken up thinking about. But the next hour and a half, I can tell you, I was praising God and using his word to do it. I had been strengthened by the work, of, the work of God through the enemy, you know, when the enemy had come. And that is what will happen, and that's what happens in Acts. They are strengthened, they are made bold, they are made courageous by God, who is enabling them as they are going through this scattering because of persecution. So that's the thing for us, isn't it? Come what may, God promises to strengthen you. Exactly, exactly, it grows Exactly Yes, exactly Um, Okay, so um, uh, Yeah, so um, Where am I, where am I? Oh yeah, so they were proclaiming the truth about Jesus as they went Um, The term disciples was the most popular name for uh, believers in the beginning Believers weren't called Christians in the beginning. They were first called Christians at uh, Antioch. And that was, uh, that was kind of a, um, quite a, a big thing, I think. Why would those believers have been called Christians? Why would they have suddenly been... Well, first of all, tell me what a disciple is. What does a right. disciple do... Yeah, he learns from the teacher. That's exactly it. A disciple in those days is a learner, a follower. From, um, he, he follows a teacher and he learns. He attaches himself to the teacher. He lives with him. He learns from him. That's what a disciple does. Um, and he learned not just by listening, but also by doing. So when you see Jesus in the Gospels, what does he do with his disciples? Yeah, sends them out and, and how, to do what? When he sends them out, what does he send them out to do? To do the same as what he was doing. To do the same as what he was doing. So now Jesus takes those 12 disciples and actually then again 70 disciples where they all go out in twos. He takes them and they go out doing what they've already seen him do and hear him do. So... As they go, they've had, they've been trained up, as it were. They're going out, um, and he's enabled them to do what he's called them to do. Okay. So, um, how do you think God? How do you think you are going to be sent out and enabled? Same way. Same way. So, so how will you learn what Jesus did and how and how he did it and. Exactly. You will learn how Jesus did what he did and what he did and what he said while he was doing it through the word. So how central is the word to you being a disciple and making disciples? It's paramount. So you would expect to find something in Jesus' commission about it. Is there something? Is there something in, his, in what we call the Great Commission? about the Word of God? Read it. What does he say? Go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I commanded you. Well, if that's not the Word of God, I don't know what is. Anything that Jesus spoke was the Word of God. Anything he said, he is the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He is the Word of God in human form, and he spoke God's words. In John chapter 5 and John chapter 19, Jesus will say, I only do what I see the Father doing, and I only speak... Why well, I hear the Father speaking. Therefore, you can know anything that came out of the mouth of Jesus was the very Word of God. It was the Word of God, just as the rest of the Bible is all the Word of God. So how will you know what to say and what to do? How will you teach what Jesus has commanded? You'll know the Word of God. It is essential to discipleship, to being a disciple and making disciples. It is, it, it's paramount to it. Um, uh, in, 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 in the book of Acts, in chapter 2, after Peter has preached that wonderful sermon, in verse 41, so then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. What did the early church do? They came together, verse 44, and all those who had been believed were together and had all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people and the lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved that is the pattern of the church that is the pattern of the church they were devoting themselves to the apostles teaching they were meeting together in fellowship they were praying and they were breaking bread that is i think both things i think that's just ordinarily sharing food but also of course the communion the um, the uh, remembrance of Christ, the breaking bread. So that is the pattern for church. That's the pattern. So when you're, when we're out making disciples, right? We're going to make disciples. We're going to give them the gospel to start with. We're going to tell them about Jesus. But then what we're going to do? Because making a disciple isn't just giving the gospel. What are we going to do to make a disciple? Yeah, you're going to love them. You're going to get alongside them. You're going to invite them around to your house. You're going to break bread with them. You're going to pray with them. If they take, if they come to the Lord Jesus and they believe, you're going to pray together. You're going to fellowship together. You're going to tell them what you know about Jesus in a way that isn't like, I'm the teacher and you're not. <laughs> you're going to really be uh, sharing. You know, this is what the Lord did today. And how is your life? And oh, let's, get, let's pray. Let's ask the Lord about that. Oh, and let's see what, is there something in his word about that? Do you see what I mean? That's what discipleship is. So now ask yourself the question, are you willing to open your home?
5: Yes, we are. But my person refuses to come in the house and stand outside waiting for the young lady that did reside all uh, oh, right.
0: So, <laughs> oh, he will, he will. so, are you willing to open your house? I mean, ask that question, write down your answer, think about it through the week, and then come back in a few weeks' time and say, Anne, Rosie, whoever else you know is associated with this ministry, I, I really want to start a fellowship group. Mm. some of
6: them they,
0: they continue on an annual basis but surely we should be reaching out to other people as well of course, well, of course you don't just continue with that the whole idea of a fellowship group is that it grows mm. you don't have fellowship with I mean there's, there's no biblical basis for starting a group and then well it's so lovely we're just all going to stay together and I'm not letting anybody else in because you know it will spoil the dynamic yeah. <laughs> You know, and I only want people who laugh at my jokes and who like my music. And, you know, otherwise it's okay. You can be a Christian over there, but you're not being a Christian with me. That's the opposite. The opposite of, of fellowship groups. Here, they were all sharing things. They were moving from house to house and breaking bread together. They were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. There was no hierarchy as such. It wasn't. I mean, they were apostles, obviously, but there was no... Um, well, I'm the boss and you're not, so come here at a certain time and leave at a certain time. It was just all about doing life together. It was life. It was life in the spirit. Uh, hmm. yeah.
7: and it says that... Um, sorry, Rosie, no, says oh. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, it, um, it says that uh, uh, they were in favor with all the people. Yes. See, they walked
0: the talk. They absolutely. They walked the talk, exactly. And that's what we have to do. You know, that's what we have to do. Jesus is very specific. It's very difficult to misunderstand this commission. You know, I mean, it's really plain. This is what I want you to do. And, and so we have to all ask ourselves the question, am I even doing that? Have I even started doing that? Go ahead, Alan.
5: Many years ago, The church that uh, I used to go to, it was an Anglican church you said these irregular wheels, don't be irregular, they really didn't want to get too close to you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Right. Oh, it's
0: the yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, yeah, go ahead, Rosie. Just that, uh, we
3: were looking In our fellowship group about the river of life and about the river of life flowing through you, Mm. looking at Juliet's point. It never, it never stays the same. No. It continually moves. Yeah. It continually moves on. Yeah. We have to yeah. continue to move with the Lord. Absolutely.
0: So there's always going to be a new dynamic. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yes. And I, actually, that's really it just kind of made me think of something else. One thing to remember is you can start a fellowship group and you can have six people who show up the first night and then one the following week. And then what will happen? The enemy will get into your head and say, are you really supposed to be doing this? You're probably not gifted for it. I mean, really should let someone else do this and, you know, don't, don't bother. So and then you start to think, okay, I really shouldn't be doing this, Lord. Why am I doing this? Well, let's just set right here, right now, every single one of us, every one of us equally is called to do this. We are called to do this. We are called to go and make disciples. And it is not a question of how good you are at hospitality or how much you're good at leading or how many things that you know or will you get the communion right? Will you, will you do the, the breaking of the bread and the wine and what if I spill it and what will happen and oh my goodness. It's nothing to do with any of that. It is all to do with your heart. Do you have a willing heart to, to serve the Lord? Because that's what he's looking for. He's looking for people with willing hearts who will say, I'm all in. And I'm going to do this. No matter how hard it is, no matter how much out of my comfort zone it is, I am going to do this. Um, Yeah, exactly, exactly. So the first thing is not just what we are going to do, but why we are going to do it. Um, Why we are to do this. Why are we to make this commission? Go ahead, Mike.
7: Yeah. That, but, um, uh, when uh, Peter made that declaration, "You are the Christ," mm. Jesus said to him, "Flesh and blood has yes. revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven."
0: Yes, has revealed so, this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
7: So yeah. We have that confirmation that when we name Christ as 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 Jesus as the Christ, we have that confirmation in us. The Holy that, Spirit. Yes, exactly. It's, so therefore, that's a. It's, you know, it's not all one-sided
6: no
0: it's both fast, but, yeah. yeah thank yeah. you Mike sorry to I look like I'm impatiently don't waiting and me. I am I'm only because Rosemary's got to leave and I've just remembered why mm. yeah. 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 Rosemary's going to have some sort of surgery, Rosemary's surgery Rosemary's on her mouth, okay. on her mouth okay. and so Rosie's going to pray for her right yeah. now yeah. on behalf of all of us would you do that yeah
3: Father we just want to, to lift up Rosemary, father and to t- uh, take on board the word that we've already heard Father the that word will settle in Rosemary's heart and that she will know that everything that's going to happen to her today is for good, yeah. and that you are with her, and you will be with her in it, through it, and at the yes. other side, yeah. and your name will be glorified in this dear one's life. Yes. yes. So, Father, we pray for her safety. We don't uh, take anything for granted, that you will guard and keep her, bring her through with successful surgery. And bless her with a, a swift and a quick healing. Yes, in Lord.
0: Jesus' name. Jesus Amen. Jesus name. Amen. 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 Sorry, Rosemary, you wanted to sneak out, didn't you?
2: <laughs>
0: no such thing. Uh, thank you. Sorry, Mike. Sorry. I, yeah. I, thank you. Okay, so one last thing before the break. Uh, he didn't only tell us... Jesus didn't just say how and when, because we're supposed to do it all the time. And, uh, but he also told us why. Why are we to go out? In those verses, he says why we are to go out. Yeah, but why? What's the, why? He says there's a reason Why? No, yes, it is to do that. Of course, that's what we are doing. Well, I'm going to tell you the reason because you probably won't get it because it's a bit convoluted. He's, uh, he's, what he's telling us is all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Right? What does that mean? Yes, in my name. So all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. What does that mean? That he has all authority in heaven and on earth. What are the practical ramifications of that? He's in charge. He's in charge. charge. What else? it's It's his church. He's coming back. What else? His kingdom exists today. It exists. He is the king of his kingdom. And it exists. But the problem is we can't see it. We can't see his kingdom. The only way we can possibly see it and the only way other people will see it is how? Yes. Through believers, through his disciples. They will see his kingdom through us. You know, again, challenge number 58. How are you doing with that? How are we doing with that? That, he will s- that people will see his kingdom through us. Yeah, sorry, I shouldn't throw it out like that because that's that's me. That's coming from me and not from God. No, what I want to say is, he's saying, go. I have all authority. Nothing can stop this work. The gates of Hades will not prevail against this. So go. Yes, my kingdom exists. You have victory. I'm promising you victory. You will come in in triumph like the old Roman parades, you know, the ticker tape parades. You will have a triumphant entrance into the, the seeable kingdom as you work now through... Because um
4: do we have that same authority?
0: We do and we don't. I think we could, you could take that the wrong way. Yes, we have authority in his name. Um, and, and he lives within us. So, of course, we... We do, but I think that some people take that as like it's almost separate to Christ, we have that authority, oh, yeah. and I think that's dangerous. I know you don't mean that, Maureen, but it's kind of dangerous, you know. Um, go ahead, Juliet. Mm. What happens if we don't do enough? You'll be sad. But
3: joy.
7: Good <laughs> answer. The ramifications.
0: Yes. The ramifications.
7: No, there is no, there is, don't worry about
0: that. Um, There is no
7: guilt. guilt.
0: There is no condemnation of those in Christ Jesus. But there is an accounting. You will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 10. You will stand, oh, chapter 5. Uh, before the judgment seat of Christ, to give an account of deeds done in the body, i.e. in the body. Yeah. Now, will that be horrible? No, because you're going to run to your saviour. So, it, But there is there is that sense of, there's, yes, there are crowns and rewards to be had and you won't get them if you deliberately don't do what he's called you to do. I mean, that's just, you know, I, I wish I didn't have to say that, but it says that in the words, so... Um, but there's no, uh, there's no condemnation, you know. And God knows everything about you. Yeah. He knows all your weaknesses and your... Yeah, he knows everything about you. Um, I just, uh, go ahead. I, I look at that as we are um, accountable,
7: but not responsible. Yeah. Accountable, but not responsible.
0: Yeah, that'll be a good discussion. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Yes. You don't yes. Well, that's because um, uh, Paul will actually say, uh, "I'm not responsible for the blood of any man," um, because he's going to go, ba- look back to the Old Testament and see that the watchmen on the walls were responsible if they didn't warn people. Mm. Um, but uh, and 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 he's going to try to encourage believers to understand that responsibility that we really do need to go out with the word and live lives that are glorifying God. But at the same time that we understand that Christ took every sin and his blood covers all. So it's a kind of dual thing. Um, And I think that's what Mike's saying. We're accountable but not responsible because Christ paid the price for all of our failings and sin. But there is an accounting. There will be an accounting. We be to do it anyway? Of course. The thing is God
6: for what he did for us. But surely it must be within all of us to do what we can while we're here. Well, I think
0: the problem is once you put a but in that sentence, you've gone into a sort of area that the Bible doesn't take you. Mm-hmm. Um, you're saying but we should all do this. And that takes us into, yeah, but I'm not, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? And I'm not doing this and I'm not evangelizing. I am going to church every Sunday and I am trying to help someone and I am doing this, but I'm not doing that. So, oh, well, you know, there's no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. It's a really difficult thing, Juliet, but we are called to hold both things that Christ paid for every mistake and every failure and every sin and every rebellion. It's all done and I am not condemned. I have no, there is no condemnation for me. But at the same time, yes. I have been given mm. such blessing. Yes. And, it's all it's mm. yes, and there's so so I am responsible for asking the Lord to give me, a, or help me to have a willing heart. Mm. Mm. That's what I would say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Would change know? me, examine me, show me areas where I could yes. be better, could change, whatever. <coughs> the um,
7: spiritual says, if you love him, why not serve
0: him? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know it, but yeah, it's that idea, yeah. yeah. Yes. And I, but I do think, you know, I'm, I'm always, it's, it's such a fine line to walk. It's so difficult. Um, the, 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 the reality is Paul could not conceive of a believer not wanting to live for Christ. He couldn't even conceive of it. He knew it happened because he wrote to Corinth, but he, he couldn't get it into his head that we wouldn't all be like him. And that's because he knew such joy from serving the Lord so that's really my thing all the time is okay there is that joy to be had mm. and if I don't have it I'm I'm willingly starving myself yeah. of something wonderful mm. and <coughs> you know so so he
2: knew how wrong he'd be. yes
1: yes yes, yeah. So there. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. absolutely yeah 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 um
0: yeah, and I think that when you read about... Uh, we'll finish now in just a couple of minutes, but when you read about the New Testament, well, you read about all the characters in Scripture, what you see with them is that God calls them and they feel a stirring in their heart. It's like... Um, So all of those New Testament believers that came to Christ after he had died and been resurrected, so came through the apostles' teaching, they heard the gospel, they heard a call, and then they were stirred by it and they had to do something with it. So what I'm saying now is when we read scripture and we (laughs) read about what God's calling us to or Christ is calling us to, you, you feel a stirring in you wow, this is for me. Or if you hear a good message on the radio or on TV, wow, it's just so exciting. But what happens then is all our humanity comes in and it starts to say to us, but you can't do that. But, but, but you're not good enough to do that. And that's not for you. That's for that's like somebody else, you know. Mm. So why don't you just concentrate on what you can do? You know, just make a cup of, t- cup of tea or something. And, you know, so that's what happens. And that's ultimately the enemy h- that's coming in with that. Mm. Um, and so what we do is we, we kind of... That all gets pressed down on top of the stirring. Mm. And so we end up not doing anything. Mm. And so what I think that God is... Uh, what I feel is I've pressed down the stirrings for too long... <laughs> You know, I do that a lot. I do that a lot. It's possible to keep doing that. And, and, but God is wanting to stir us up. And he's wanting, I think, I know every single person in this room to know, I, he is going to do great and mighty things through you, individually and collectively. But we have to just go with the stirring. We have to say, okay, I feel that stirring Exactly.
2: Feel yeah. So exactly. You feel well, exactly. exactly. But we're not looking at the, power of the Exactly. Power us. That's That's, that's it. it.
0: That lovely
2: thing
0: you read from side. Yes. Yes. He's us. yes. Exactly. Yeah. There, then yeah. It
2: must be possible. Yeah. It's like trust.
0: It is. It is lack of trust. And that's actually what we're all dealing with. Anne, because ultimately, that's what it comes down to. It's us allowing every other thought in our head to blanket down or push out the trust that we might have for Christ. 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 is absolutely clear. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Now, that means that everything you were is gone. There's a new creation in you. Obviously, you've still got your old nature and you've got to lay it aside. But but the reality is, if God calls you to something, he will enable you to do it. If you feel that stirring in your heart, you need to just stand up and step out. <laughs>
1: 2 Corinthians
0: 5, 17. Um, It That's what he's doing. And as he stirs the stirring, who does the stirring? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. So it's like God the Father is... Uh, is calling us through God the Son and the Spirit is stirring us up and now all it takes is for you and I to say yes, I'm here, I'm in, I'm in, I'm all in whatever it is, wherever it is, I'm in Um.
7: Can't you say the turtle goes round in circles if it doesn't stick its neck
0: out? Okay, we're having a break uh, ten minutes maybe ten minutes yeah just under ten minutes so father I just want to thank you for uh, fellowship and um, for the um, provision that you've made for this ministry for the coffee and the tea and the and the um, and biscuits if we want them for a place to come to every week Lord God thank you for what you've done and thank you that you've given us this space from which to go out and make disciples and Lord, I pray for uh, those who are not here with us this morning, those who cannot be here and those who chose not to be here. I pray for them, Lord God, that you would um, be speaking even now to them and telling them of what they've missed. Um, I pray for this evening session, uh, Lord, that you will bring um, many people to uh, to hear and to talk about this this commission, this great commission that you've given us and, and the joy that we will receive as we... Um, Start to fulfill it. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So um, we're going out in his authority, or all authority is given to him, he says, Jesus. And um uh uh and he but he is now right he's back at the right hand of the father, obviously. This he was talking to them while he was on earth, now he is back at the right hand of the father. And uh, he is interceding for us. Hebrews will tell us that. Hebrews chapter 1 says, God, after he spoke long ago in the fathers, in the prophets, in many portions, and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power." Christ Jesus, even now, is upholding all things by the word of His power, so he is speaking, and things are upheld. Um, this is what that Hebrews one tells us, and uh, John chapter one tells us that everything that was created, everything that has come into being, came into being through Christ. and Genesis chapter one tells us that God spoke, and his speaking. Uh, he did that through Christ Jesus. So Genesis chapter 1, God said, let there be light. And in the speaking, let there be light. Jesus was the agent of creation. That's what the New Testament fills in for us about Genesis. So it is that Jesus who says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. The Jesus through whom God made the entire universe is the one who says, "I, I have all authority, so go. Nothing, absolutely nothing can happen on this planet or on any planet without his permission. That's what the Bible teaches us. Without his permission. Now, that not, may not be. Uh, that might be hard to work out on individual basis when you're going through a particular crisis in your own life. But God is sovereign. Christ is sovereign. He has ultimate control. He is in control. He is, in fact, so much in control that if He stops speaking, the world stops existing. So He is the sovereign, most high Creator God, and He says, "As you go." make disciples, make disciples, so what does it mean actually, uh, it, he has all authority, what does it mean that he has all authority to you personally, in terms of making disciples? He knows what,
1: we will
0: do. He knows what you will do, um, he'll, help he'll help you. What does it remove from you? Knowing that Christ, this is Christ's commission to his people. He has said, I've got all authority. As you go make disciples, what can you go out without? Yes. Fear. You can go out without fear and doubt. Christ is building his church through me. But
3: you also have to know
0: um, mm. that what you have chosen
3: to do, and you think you are doing it in God's
0: name, mm. you don't always know, We don't always hear, that mm. you are doing the right. No. that is the
1: fear that comes along yeah.
0: Yeah. and that fear is from the enemy that specific fear is directly from the enemy why, do, why who would want you to think if you're living if you've said I want to do your will Lord I want to live for you you know I've got a few areas I know that I need to sort out but I want to live for you I want to surrender to you then God has promised everything you do he will enable you to do he wants you to live for Him and to want His will. So the only voice that you're hearing that says, "Is that really God's will for you?" That's the enemy. That's the enemy. And so that ha- you have to just say that God created works in advance for me to do. He has enabled me to do them. He is leading me and guiding me and directing me. He's my good shepherd. He won't let me go the wrong way. This is the thing, and that's you know we have to fight that battle. That's the battle. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So you can go out without fear and no matter what, what circumstances you face and no matter what people you face, he is in control. Amen. He is in control. So all you have to do is trust him and go and, 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 go and speak about Jesus. That's all we're doing. We're speaking about Jesus. We're telling people the gospel first and then we're if they if they're believing and, and coming into fellowship we're continuing on with them. Um. Jesus said he the good mm-hmm.
4: news the
0: Yes. Yes. Lovely. Absolutely. That that is the gospel. Good news. It's good news. All good news us. exactly. The good news. Yeah. Romans 8:31 to 39. Um, you'll know these verses. What shall we say then? Um, uh, to these things if God is for us who is against us you know he who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all how will he not also with him freely give us all things who will bring a charge against God's elect God is the one who justifies and on and on who will separate us from the love of Christ or tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword but in all these things verse 37 we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us in all Things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. This is the truth of who we are in Christ and who he is. Psalm 56, uh, verse 3 and 4. Um, Psalm 56, verse uh, 3 and 4. Um, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? This is the truth. This is the God that we worship. This is the Jesus we represent. This is the one that we are taking out and speaking about. Um, Okay. Um, So... Um, those early disciples modeled for us the way that we are to make disciples. Um, all of God's dealings with the world have been with the view to calling people to himself. So now you have answered that call and you are now part of his work. Do you think God's going to leave you on your own while you try to do it? Yeah. I mean, it, John 3.16 says what? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Okay, so now you've believed that and you've said, I'm all in, God. I want to go out. I want to make disciples. So now he's going to say, okay, well, have a good time and I'll see you when you get back. No, he's not. He's going to be with you all the time. So do you think you're going to find success in this mission? Of course. Why will, you not, why will you have success? Because he's doing it. Because he is building his church. This is, this is, he is building his church. And he's doing it through you and through me. He is building his church. Um, I've already talked about Acts chapter 4, when you face persecution, everything they did, um, they trusted that Christ would be with them that God was with them. Um, and I really, I'm, I've skimmed through that last, m- that last page of my notes because I want to get to something that I think is really, really important. Um, just to sum up what we've said so far, you are not going out facing a desperate and dark and lost world on your own. Mm-hmm. You are going out with the authority of Jesus Christ, who is the sovereign creator, sustainer God. He is with you as you go. And he has ordained that you will bear fruit. He, that is set. You will bear fruit. The amount of fruit you bear will depend on how much you say to him, I'm all in. So, but I want to get to something that I think I, I want to ask a couple of questions. What happens to the person who never hears about Jesus? Ah, that's a I want to kind of cover that in this first session. What happens to the person who never hears about Jesus? Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just ask one more question. Hold on. And what happens to a good person who has been kind and caring and wonderful their whole life but doesn't know Jesus? They'll all perish. They'll all perish. Okay. Is that the universal answer? No. <laughs> Okay. God is merciful, yes, yeah, but mm-hmm. anything. If somebody hasn't heard about him, literally in some far flung place, in the
4: gospels that reach
0: right. oh, God,
4: surely you get some way,
0: somehow. Okay. <laughs> okay.
4: The I think that we had all this discussion about God, and her
6: husband is a, is a complete atheist. And he said, I don't want you talking mm. about mm. it. And so, mm. um, she came back to my house three times because uh, I. To her, what will happen? And I was told I shouldn't have said to her, but I did because this was when I was a baby Christian, very much so. And she said, she came to my house at nine o'clock in the morning, she said, So if I don't believe, I'm going to go to hell. And I, I said that this is what the Bible says. And she said all the same things, I'm a good person, I'm a kind person, and she used to believe. Then she married this man and she stopped in the believer. And I just pray that she will come back to God. Um, but it's like the lady at the end said Anne, yeah. <laughs> there are people out there.
0: Yeah, I want to just follow that train of thought, actually. I want to follow that. Go ahead, Alan.
5: You go before the judge, and my mother in law was recently uh, buried. Uh, he was, well, It's life had coloured. Um, he had the last two or three months of the Second World of War and his regiment was sent to the concentration camp. Right. Uh, and that's what colour is used yeah. on God yeah. for the rest of his life. Yeah. On his deathbed he pointed to something in the corner of the room yeah the yeah yeah,
0: well, I think until the moment we die, God is always calling out to us, yeah. so I definitely think that, but I do want to follow this scripturally because because I think that's really important. Um, There are approximately 7.5 billion people in the world today, 7.5, and approximately 1.5 billion of them have never heard the name of Jesus. 1.5 billion people have never heard the name of Jesus. Um, So, amazingly, there are some people in our country who have never heard the name of Jesus, apart from it being a swear word. Um, So we need to be really clear about what happens because if one point... Hold on, um, Julia. If 1.5 billion people haven't heard the name of Jesus, we need to know what's going to happen to them because this is not about Mrs. Smith who lives next door or your neighbour or your brother or anybody else. This is about 1.5 billion people who might die without hearing about Jesus. So we need to know what that means. Um, so could somebody go to Romans chapter 1 and read verse 18 to 32? In fact, we'll do that in two parts. So someone read one to, uh, chapter 1, verse 1 to 16. Uh, so, uh, sorry, 18 to 25 and the other one uh, 26 to 32 or anyway in half. So Romans chapter 1, verse 18 on. For the wrath of God is
2: revealed. All ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since <coughs> the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without an excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honour him as God, or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible birds, <coughs> and war-footed animals, a crawling creature. Therefore God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to so their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature, rather than the creator, who is blessed forever.
0: Amen. And then 26 to 32, please.
4: (coughs) For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural, And in the same way also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who
0: practice them. Thank you. Okay, Uh, Paul spends the first half of the chapter Talking about the gospel, he talks about what the gospel is, and then he finishes the first part by, by saying, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, But the righteous man shall live by faith. And then he goes on to those verses that we've just heard, and he makes some statements in those verses that I think we really have to be clear about. The gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. The good news about Jesus is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. But in Romans 1, 18 to 25 and then on to 32, uh, Paul makes some categoric statements. And the first one is, all people know God the Father. All people, every single person who has ever been born or ever will be born knows God the Father. Look at what he says. um, Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. And then verse 20, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through uh, what has been made, so that they are without excuse... So he's shown himself in creation and he has made himself evident within them. All people know about God. That is the first statement. And the second statement is what? All people reject true knowledge of God for even though they knew God. They did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. So you have two statements. All people know about God and all people reject God. They reject God the true knowledge of God. Now these are categoric statements and it's really hard to move away from them. So God has made himself known to every single person within them and in creation and every single person rejects God, rejects the true knowledge of God. And in fact, they exchange that knowledge for something else. So it's not just that they reject the knowledge of God and do nothing, they actually suppress the truth of God. Mm. They reject God. They suppress the truth of God, and they exchange yeah. the knowledge of God for the corruptible. Mm. Um, oh, well, this is what
7: false religions do. So that,
0: isn't it? This is what everybody does. Every yeah, every single person does this. Yes. Every single person does this. So all people. There is not a single person. This doesn't say all horrible people. It says all people do this. Mm-hmm. All of them know God and all of them reject God. That includes you and me. Exactly. It includes every single person. So um, since Adam and Eve, what's been going on in the world? You're talking about false religions, Mike. What else goes on? We, what, what does Paul say we worship? Know, we worship, yeah. We oh, exchange the glory of the incorruptible God mm-hmm. for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. So we worship anything other than God. We worship animals, we worship birds, we worship uh, any sort of idol you can think of. We worship man himself, we worship, we worship ourselves, we worship anything that we choose rather than God. We change the glory of God, we, we exchange the glory of God for the corruptible um, uh, so all people know God, all people reject God, and as a result of that, what is true? As a result of that, what is true? There, is n- there are no innocent people in the world. There are no innocent people in the world. That's what he's saying here. And he's, we're not talking about, you don't even have to bring in babies or anything else, you don't have to talk about that. What God is saying is every person knows God, because I've put my, the knowledge of myself in them and in creation. And every person rejects God. Now, in order to reject God, you would have to be where? How, you, know, what, you would have to be of an age to be able to reject God. You would have to be of an age to understand about God and reject him. How old do you think that is? Well... First of all, we can't put an age on it because different people come at different times. You can get a three-year-old child who understands about God to a, to a three-year-old's understanding and says, I want to pray to Jesus. I want to pray to God. So, and you can get 20-year-olds who perhaps don't understand and then suddenly understand. But let's be clear about this. There are no innocent people in the entire world. No matter how good you think they are, there is no one innocent. That's what he, sa- he says here. Everybody knows God. Everybody rejects God. No one's innocent. Okay, so Paul's going to take us on then through chapter 2 of Romans um, uh, where he's going to concentrate on uh, Gentiles and then into talking about Jews. And, then in, and he's going to basically say, uh, n- nobody escapes this. Mm-hmm. Everybody's there, Gentile or Jew. You've all done the same thing. Because if you had the law and you didn't keep it, you're just as guilty as someone who didn't have the law and didn't keep it. It doesn't make any difference. You are suppressing the truth of God. And then into chapter 3. Could somebody read chapter 3, verse 1 to 20, please? What advantage then
1: has the Jew, or what is the profit of of circumcision? Much in every way, chiefly because... To them were committed the oracles of God. But what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the unfaithfulness of I'm sorry, will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it's written, that you may be justified in your words and may overcome when you are judged. But if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unjust, who inflicts wrath? I speak as a man. Certainly not, for then how will God judge the world? For if the truth of God has increased through my lie to his glory, why am I also still judged as a sinner? Uh, And why not say, let us do evil that good may come? as we are slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, their condemnation is just. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and and Greeks that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands, there is none who seeks after God. The way of peace they have not known there is no fear of god before their eyes now we know that whatever the law says it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before god therefore by the deeds of the law no flesh will be justified in the sight in his sight for by the law is the knowing of, is the knowledge of sin
0: Thank you. Okay, so he, he, he finished chapter 2, and he basically said, true circumcision is of the heart by the spirit. So actually what he means by that is, if, if, you have come to, if, you, if you have a religion that knows God, for example, he's talking about Jews now, you know God, you've had the law, you've had the oracles of God, and yet you still won't bow to this God, then you are in a worse boat than someone who didn't have the law. So he's basically covering and leading up to chapter 3 where he says there is none righteous, no, not one. No one seeks after God. And he's condemning the whole human race, actually. Now we have to be clear about it. We have to be clear about it because Jesus is calling us to go out and make disciples. What is the point if not everyone is condemned, what is the point of Christ's death if there are some innocent people in the world? What if, is the point in the crucifixion if it's possible to be a good person and come to God? That's what the Bible makes absolutely clear. There is no point in, in Christ's coming at all if it is possible for God to save without the name of Jesus. So we have to be clear on that. You cannot get to God except through Christ. And actually, there are no innocent people in the world. There is not the innocent African man who has never heard about Jesus, but loves God and loves his neighbor and never does a thing wrong, never thinks a thing wrong, never... No, the truth is he has a knowledge of God and has rejected God. And the whole reason he's got to this is because he wants to tell us something about this gospel there is the power of God under salvation. And Look at what he'll say, Romans 3, chapter 21 to 26. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed for the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So I ask again, do you think it would be... Well, I don't ask again. i just expand the question. Do you think it would be fair... For God to condemn someone to hell for not believing in Jesus, even if they'd, if they'd ha- never had the opportunity to hear about Jesus? They
6: still know about
0: well, no, he's saying, if it, the question is, if they have never heard about Jesus, is it fair to condemn that person to hell? Would that be fair of God? It does. Thank you, Anne. And you see, I expect that most people in this room, I myself have said at, at, in the past, well, God's more fair than me, so he will do the right thing. He's a merciful God. He will do the right thing. Yeah, he will do the right thing. He'll, he'll do the fair thing, right? But the problem with that thinking is Romans chapter 1. That's the problem. It's there. Romans chapter 1 18 to thirty two. There it is. There is none righteous well that's chapter two. None righteous, no not one. And chapter one, they're all know about God and suppress and reject the truth and reject God. Um, when, when it says they know about God yes, I mm, think
2: they, they think of God as the God of the trees that's in and body, I think that they're all looking for God, and we know people getting into cults and all sorts of things, they're looking for God. Um So if they haven't heard about Jesus who the way to the mantra true God, that's my problem.
0: Yes, hold on a sec, go ahead, Juliet. At
6: night, when I say my prayers, and I pray for displaced people, and the widows and the children who are dying, and I, I say to God, please have mercy, especially for the children, because they
0: may not have heard of you. Mm-hmm. Is that a wasted prayer? Does mercy <laughs> um, well it's how how would he show mercy so it's not a wasted prayer but how would he show mercy to them how would no i think we have to be clear we have to be clear how does a person come to god Through Jesus, there is no other way. And actually, the Bible has absolutely categorically stated there is none righteous, no, not one, that people know about God and reject God. They reject him. So we have to kind of... Take the thought and think, okay, he's he's, in chapter 2 he says there are various levels of knowledge and so there's going to be therefore a bigger accounting for those who had the word of God and the oracles of God, there will be a bigger responsibility on them than there would be on someone who never heard about anything, never heard about the law or knew about this God that the Jews worshipped. Okay, there are different levels of knowledge and, and Paul talks about those but that would mean that if you hear the gospel... And reject it, you have the worst level of accountability. So, you have your nice neighbor, and they are kind and sweet and loving and gentle, and they give to so many charities, and they are wonderful people. What would be the very worst thing you could do? Tell them the gospel, because if they reject it, they're in for worse trouble. Uh, this is just hypothetical. What would be the worst thing you could do for a good person? You could tell them the gospel. Because a good person at the moment doesn't know about Jesus. And they're doing pretty well. They're moral, ethical people and they, they're still rejecting God. They're not innocent. They know, about, they know the truth about God inside and in creation. Um, and they've rejected God but they're living. They're trying to live a good moral life. The very worst thing you could do is give them the gospel, because it will give them higher accountability when they face God. Does that make sense? On
1: the other hand, they might <laughs> reject it
0: straight away. But if you've given them the seed, no. But let's just, yeah, of course, that might happen. But just on the bare facts, on the bare facts, what's the worst thing you could do is give the gospel.
7: God's
4: righteousness for
6: theirs or their righteousness as the standard, but it's not God's standard. But you're bursting their
0: bubble because they think they're doing. Yeah, I just, I just. What I want to get to is, of course, you know, it's difficult when we try to think of individuals. Yes, you're right. Um, but what I want to get to is the complete and utter, assured understanding that without the gospel message, everyone goes to hell. Everyone goes to hell. But then, yeah, right. Hold on, hold on. No, hold on. I'm saying that without Jesus, everyone goes to hell. Yeah, but you're saying not the best thing you could do is to no, be... No, 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 no. I, I of course, because that. I'm arguing it from the other side. What I'm saying is, if we want to say that, or if, if, as the Bible says, there's different accountability levels depending on how much knowledge you had of God. So, for example, a Jew... An observant Jew is more accountable than a Gentile pagan in the middle of, the, of Africa. So what that's, that's the extremes. So what I'm saying is, if you want to think that there's less accountability and more accountability, which is true, and that, and that you know, God's going to be merciful and fair and right and just and all of those things, which is true, the worst thing you can do is give someone the gospel. Because if they reject the gospel they're at the worst point because now you've told them about Jesus <laughs> and they've said no. Yeah, I know. I, of course. Of course. Yeah, of course. What, what I'm saying is, do we understand? Do we believe that without Jesus, everyone goes to hell because no one is innocent? Yeah. So now, if no one is innocent, if they all have a basic knowledge of God, they see him in creation, they see, they've got a knowledge of him inside, And then you give them Jesus on top of that and they reject him, they're absolutely stuck. They've got nowhere to go and they are massively accountable because now they know everything. They have the knowledge of God in creation. They have the knowledge of God within them. And now you've given them the gospel. So far better for you not to give them the gospel. How? But you see what I'm saying? That's ridiculous because what is the commission that Jesus has given us? Go into all the world and make disciples. And what did Paul say at the beginning of this chapter? The gospel is the power of God for salvation. Mm-hmm. So our whole reason to be on the planet is to give the gospel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Often people actually um, reject it. we I don't think they know why they reject
2: it. But they just it's almost like an automatic thing, doesn't it? Mm. I mean when we're at Every, you know you give out tracts and
0: things, and some will receive. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But it's almost like an automatic. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Without actually having, they haven't really thought. I no, no, they thought they no. But what, what we're talking about here yeah. is not what they do with it, yeah. it's what we do and why we do it. Yeah. This is a course about making disciples. Tomorrow we're going to talk about evangelism. Well, if you're not absolutely sure that every single person on the street is going straight to hell without Jesus, then you will never give the gospel with any real passion. If you think that God is fair and right and he wouldn't send that good Mrs. Smith to hell because she's so kind and loving and really, you know, he wouldn't do it, then you are not going to give her the gospel you're not going to. And if you do, it will be very watered down. And I'm sure God loves you, Mrs. Smith, because you're such a kind person. And, you know, yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Don't worry about believing in Jesus. Because that clouds our thinking. Yeah. So we have to be sure every person without Jesus is going to hell. And every person without who, who goes to hell deserves to be there. Deserves to be there. How can you say that? Cuz there's none righteous, no not one, because they know about God and they reject him. They reject him. Now this is hard teaching. I know it's hard, but it's it's right there in Romans chapter 1. In the same chapter that says it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, is this for the wrath of God is being poured out. Mm.
2: John 2 verses 22 to 23 who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Mm-hmm. He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. Mm-hmm. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. I
2: used to think with the Jews, oh it's wonderful at least they believe in God. Yes, exactly. You that passage...
0: You realise that, exactly. Now, so Thank you, Maureen, okay. yeah. So let's think now. We're in a situation where everybody deserves to go to hell. Everybody knows God. Everybody rejects God. God knows that. He knows it. So what's he going to do? Everybody, everybody deserves to go to hell. Everybody knows about God. Everybody rejects God and suppresses the truth. So what's God going to do? A book of
4: life. No.
0: Mm-hmm. He's going to send his son. Yes. Go back yes. to the beginning. Every single person is none unrighteous. No, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God because they knew about God from inside and from outside. They rejected him. They kept rejecting him. He couldn't find anyone who wasn't guilty. They were all guilty. So what is the only thing he can do? Because
7: God is righteous and a savior.
0: Yes. So what's the only thing he can do? He can only come himself. He can only come himself and say, okay, I'm making this bridge. I'm making this bridge between where you are, and it's impossible for you to get out of it, to where I am. This is the bridge. There's only one bridge. I've made it. And I've only made it. Why? Why has he made that bridge? Because for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. This this message... This gospel message only makes sense if everybody is going to hell without it. It doesn't make sense otherwise. What's the point? It only makes sense if the whole world is doomed. And because God knows the hat, he knows none of them can get to him. He came himself to make the bridge. Now what's he doing? Now, what is he doing now today in 2018? You're sitting here. You're wondering, where has all this gone? Why am I here? You know, what is he trying to do now?
2: He said work through his disciples, his followers,
0: to show people. Yeah. What, yes. What he is doing is calling to every single person, to Mrs. Smith and Mr. Smith and your daughter and your son and your... And he is calling through you and your understanding of what they are headed to will make a difference to how well and how much you call. It will, it will determine whether you decide this is important enough for me to give my life to. But everybody needs to know, the church needs to know this. They do, well, yeah, maybe. Well, we are the church. Yeah, we are the church. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, but this is the thing. This is what we have to understand. So you have to rid yourself of any thought that there's innocent people in the world who haven't heard about Jesus. You have to look at those statistics. There are 7.5 billion people in the world and 1.5 billion of them haven't heard the name of Jesus. And you have to say to God, okay, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Faced with that statistic, what will I do? What will I do? Go ahead.
3: I was just going to say, and you have to get rid of that thought but it's somebody else's responsibility. Ooh. I'll yeah. just tell the pastor we can get up a program, or mm-hmm. okay, she's better at it than me, and I'll have dinner and I'll invite Maureen to come and she'll speak to my daughter. Yeah. It's no, out but of space the yeah.
2: with this. What I was
6: just saying about the innocent, nobody's innocent. That puts. Well, what it
0: does is, it's not really the onus, Juliet, although, you know, I get where you're coming from, but it's not really the onus. It's like, okay, God has poured out his love in and through you by the Holy Spirit. So now you love people with the love of God. So if you really, truly love people with the love of God, you don't want them to go to hell because he doesn't want them to go to hell. And at every point in their life, he has called out their name. So, you know, I want to say some, you know, names of of people. I don't, because I'm on the the recording. But, you know, people in my own family, people in your family who don't know Jesus. God is calling out to them all the time. And he is doing it through you. Yes, but that's, but there you go, Anne. That is the deception from the enemy. Yes, it's difficult with family, but God is the sovereign creator, God. He will do anything. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, they'll tell you, shut up, mum. Please don't tell me, or this one, or that one. Don't keep going on about it. And you say, yeah, I know. Okay, I won't go on about it. And then the next time you see them, you say, did I tell you about Jesus last time I saw you? And they'll get fed up. They will. They'll get fed up. But rather they be fed up than never hear the call of God on their life. Rather they say, oh, mum or dad, they just don't stop going on about this. They're, they're religion. You yeah, know. Religion. Yes. Yeah. But rather that, yeah. than they never hear. I, uh,
3: I, I'm really happy just to share what's just happened in my life. Thank you. Um, we, I um, have a lovely little group here that meets on a Monday night. Last night we prayed about lots of things. But also we prayed for my eldest son. He's 52. And he, he, um, he's just got no social graces and he doesn't know the Lord and he's just dreadful and i was so ashamed of him. And so we prayed very much last night, how, you, how do you get salvation to somebody like that? And halfway through this morning my phone rang, I went out and it was my son, this one, 52. I haven't spoken to him about the Lord since he was about 12 um, when he came to a full gospel dinner. And apart from that he doesn't want to know. And uh, so he started to talk to me out there about the insurance and retirement and how it's just nuts and he's spending his money and it's never going to see me into retirement. And suddenly I found myself saying, "Well, that's why Daddy and I believe in the Lord." Oh. And uh, so I just gave him a rumour <laughs> <laughs> about Jesus. And I thought, "It's not good enough. I want to be back in there. I'm missing the thing, you know." <laughs> and I felt so guilty. <clears throat> and then I said to him at the very end, having told him very little. Just that the Lord keeps you. That's what it's about, Nikki. He's a massive grey. So many children in (laughs) my life. That's that's what i about. And so I said to him, "I want to. I'm in a rush to go back into the class, Grey. I want to, but I want to talk to you about this. And can we do this another time? Can we have coffee? Can we just get together? This—he's 17 stone. He's a massive lump of nothing, you know, of anger and hatred and everything." And so I just texted him, or I did when I came back in, and I said to him, um, I was blessed to speak to you about my Christian faith. I have prayed that I could talk to you about this for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so with your permission, we will find a moment for something, yes. for some special moment you time, mm-hmm. moment mm-hmm. time. The days are passing by so quickly. And you hardly know how precious you are to me and God. Mm. And I just think, we only prayed last night, did we, girls? Mm. So now I'm going to meet with my son. It's okay. and give him the you gospel. Okay. Okay. It's okay. oh, I'm, so, oh, I'm sorry if I'm upset you, but just
0: to it me, it's so bad. No, no, don't say sorry.
3: It's okay. I'm oh, sorry. Is it the wrong time? No, no, no,
0: no, 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 no. But it,
3: it's... You know, we think it's going to be hard, but God engineers it. Yes. I never thought that yes. was going to yes. happen this morning. Yes. One million years. Yes. But there will come a moment, there will come a moment when I shall be able to do it because we prayed and because, God, this is such an important group of sessions. Yes. And before I ever meet for that coffee with the boy, I will have been taught. I will know yeah, what to do. To God do. will teach us so many. I just am grateful.
0: Yeah, thank Thanks you, Lucy.
3: Sorry. Go ahead,
0: Alan. Thank
4: you for being so honest. <laughs> <laughs> so
5: My well, yeah. This is the one in Switzerland, <laughs> found me out <up. laughs> and he's been yeah. given notice after 20 years oh. in the Swiss bank. He finishes in October and I said that he won't finish in October because I was to my God that he would continue because he's got a Swiss mortgage, and happens to be a 100 year mortgage, it sounds crazy but they transferred the mortgage to the children mm-hmm. and that's how uh, but it had no chance in earning the source of money in this country to support Mm. a mortgage in Switzerland so I told him my God is stronger than anything that he knows or understands
0: Mm. I think, um, you know, what I'm trying to get to is this understanding that God gives the gospel through you. He gives the gospel through you. He calls to people, he calls to the world through you. Through you. He's, he's calling the people that you know and love every day of their lives and generally, he will do that through you. Yes. And the reason you will even consider opening your mouth is because you absolutely know what the alternative is. Mm. I, 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 I just think you have to know what the alternative is. Otherwise, you will spend a whole time on the same fence that a lot of people sit on, or imaginary fence. Yes. Can I just say,
7: this is a heavy burden on us today, but can I say that there's an answer to it in Scripture, because Jesus says, enter into my rest, my burden is light.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it is, it is, and uh, it is, but but this calling is a massive calling, <laughs> It is the biggest thing you will ever do in your entire life. It is the greatest thing, the thing that will afford you the most joy. But you have to understand this is not good news unless people are going to hell. I don't
6: think it's a burden at all. I think, we, I think because we know the alternative... For me now, I, I want to go and tell people because
7: I, I, I don't want people perish? Well, I was just referring to the text.
0: To the, says. Yeah. It says, um, work out
7: your uh, salvation with fear and trembling. But the most important part of that verse is, for it is God that works in you yeah. to do and to will yeah. his good, good purpose. Yeah. So you're in his hands because all is of God. Yes. And the burden, mm. the burden is light, because we're in his will, we're resting in him. Mm. Yeah.:
0: OK, so we're all in the same place, we're all understanding, we're all knowing. God made the bridge, He had to make the bridge. He came, and the only way that people will ever get to him is through Jesus, across that bridge. And, um, and, and so that's the importance of your life. Not necessarily your ministry. That is the importance of your life, that you are still here, letting the love of God flow through you like a river, telling other people about the gospel message. Um, can I just say that I'm not
7: taking away anything of what you're saying.
0: No, I know I, you're, not, you're not, Mike. No, I'm yeah. Just that yeah, yeah, thank really,
7: you. I'm not yeah. taking away anything. No. he's right on being for scripture. Right, right. Yeah, away. no, 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 I know, I know, and you're I'm right. I'm saying that there is a, there's a joy in all that. Uh, yeah, ways. of course
0: there's a that there is. There's a joy in yeah, ways. no and I think I uh, hopefully have made that clear actually yeah. all the way through that there's great joy in yeah. doing so this. I'm
2: not out, sorry,
0: me. No, I know you're not. A I know.
7: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, just to end with, uh, just to end with, we understand why we understand our calling to go out and make disciples and we understand that we do it he has all authority, and he 's sending us so we don 't need to be afraid of anything. we can go in the fullness of blessing actually um, and Then I just want to finish with uh, Romans ten because in Romans chapter ten, God through Paul explains the process of um, of uh, making the or of us going out and making disciples and the, and the reason it 's just yet another one, Romans chapter ten. Uh, verse 8 to verse 15. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. This is the process of thinking. Um, and I'm going to take it backwards, right? Um, ha, uh, how will they preach unless they are sent? Who are being sent? We are. We are disciples and we are to make disciples. You and I are being sent. And what are we being sent with? Yeah, but no, specifically in this passage, what are we being sent? It, it uses the word preach, but it means proclaim or talk about. We are to proclaim, talk about the gospel of the grace of God. That's the first thing, isn't it? because He's talking about how will they believe unless they hear, and how will they hear unless someone preaches, and how will they preach unless they're sent. So I'm going backwards. You are being sent with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So first of all, you have to understand you are being sent You are being sent under the authority of the Lord Jesus and you have a specific message and that specific message is this is the only thing that will save you. You don't have to say it that way but you have to understand this is the message. God knew you couldn't get to him so he came for you. He came for you. Why? Because he loves you so much. He didn't need to come. But he came, so that you could come into the fullness of his blessing and his glory. Mm -hmm. So that's so you're sent with that message. Um, So when you're sent with that message, what will happen? He'll give you
3: words
0: to say. He'll give you what to say and when to say it. John chapter 14 and 15 Mm -hmm. and 16 tell you that he will tell you what to say. Yes. And what else will he do? He'll tell you what to say. He's, he, you, in fact, he has, but we don't even have to think about that, actually. So he's telling us what to say. Do you think he might guide you and direct you? Yeah. Do you yeah. think he might bring people into your orbit? Yes. yes. So all of that is his.
7: You're resting in
0: him. Yes. So you're being sent with a message. And he's going to guide and lead and direct, and he's actually going to give you what to say. But he's going to bring to your remembrance the things that Jesus has said. So you need to remember them. So in order to remember something, you have to have read it. So, yes. So you're going with this message. He's going to lead and direct. If he's leading and directing and guiding and bringing people into your orbit, what does that make you realize Yeah, he's for real. But he's guiding and directing and leading. He's putting people in your path. He's bringing them alongside to you. What do you know that you know that you know that you know? God wants them more than you do. Yeah. He wants them more than you because he's put you in their path. No, he's finishing work in believers. So you're going, if you're going to say that he's put you in that person's path, therefore that person will believe, no. He, f- he completes what he began in you. So he, so he will complete what he began in Rosie because Rosie has put her trust in him. You have the Holy Spirit now who will complete in you what he began. But if someone doesn't believe your, the gospel, that's, yeah, yeah, that verse is not for them. Now that was Jesus and that was a specific time. Um, do you think God wipes his feet of anybody? That's it. Mm-hmm. Jesus washed feet. So he, it, so that that was true at that time, and that that was true because they had to go a long way and see a lot of people, and they couldn't be doing with okay if they're not going to believe you, just ca- you just carry on, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't spend too much time. Crying with the exactly. Music. It was just go, go with this message, go, go, go. So it's just not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you if you're constantly, you know, if someone just doesn't want to hear, yeah. then. You know, maybe you should think about praying for them rather than talking to them, you know, because you've given them the gospel. So you've been sent. You've been given a message. You know the message because we've talked a long time about it and we will be talking a long time. You're going to proclaim that message to them. They're going to hear the gospel from you. What have you just given them? You have given the opportunity of life. Life. And they will, some of them will believe... And some of them won't. Some received
2: with joy.
0: Yes. Yes. Yes.
7: Going back on that love point, I mean to say that can a mother forget the love of her child? Never. Mm-hmm. So,
4: therefore, God does not forget love equals for all humanity.
0: No, yeah, but you're, you're, yes, that's true. He gave his son for all humanity. But the love he has for his children is different to the love he has for all of humanity. Yes, um, so. And I think the mother-child analogy is for God with Israel, yes, um, which is his people. Up, you know,
7: seven, seven,
0: eight, oh, you know, I see, giving up, up, yeah.
7: Giving
0: up yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Okay, so we've, yeah, we've reached the end, you'll be pleased to know. Um, uh, the, the, the choice is, today, your choice is, will you go and make disciples? Will you make disciples? And in the, understanding, in the understanding that God is definitely calling you to do it. Jesus spoke that commission to everybody. You definitely have a call to do it. You have a message to preach, and you understand the reason for preaching it. I don't mean preach, you know, proclaim, talk about. You, you, you have, yeah, tell. And so the decision is, will you make disciples? And your second decision is, will you come tomorrow morning?
2: Helps because I just I'm that's for tomorrow. I think there's one of the difficulties is if people, if you're trying to show them what they've been saved from, they
0: mm. don't believe mm. in hell. or mm. Any of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that probably. Uh, I don't think a lot of people come to the Lord Jesus because we tell them they're going to hell otherwise. I think that might have been true a hundred. 150 years ago but i think now uh, it's slightly different so i think the gospel message is god loves you so much he sent jesus so you could get to him and it's that message that that is yeah the hell thing switches people off most of the time yeah yeah it's for us to know exactly yes yes yeah For you. Yeah. Yeah. An yeah, and that's—I think that's it—and that he's calling to them. They're on this path, and it's leading far away, and they're going to a terrible place. But all the way along the road, he's holding out his hand through you, through someone else, through someone else, through someone else, because he so does not want them to go where they are going. Sorry, Linda, go ahead.
4: them come like, right. to salvation. Yeah. And I know there's that verse about the sows and believers. Mm. And I suppose, I'm not trying to encourage myself really, because mm. I know I've sown a lot of seeds yeah. over the years, mm. but I can't say that I, I've amassed a whole group of people, <laughs> no. than, you know, being believers, as we saw in mm. you know, like Acts mm. chapter 2, mm. But I have shared. Mm. I'd like something Please, um, I've done the right you have
0: absolutely <laughs> done the right thing and even to share the gospel as we have heard is not an easy thing to do, it's not easy so to commit yourself to that Linda that is an amazing thing to do and actually God says you are not responsible for the response You, your role in all of it is simply to go and speak that's, that's it yeah yeah whatever.
1: exactly you just
0: that's, your that's your role that's what you do yeah yeah, yeah. Do no exactly yeah. exactly, exactly. People, that's yes that's another thing but the initial the initial putting out that seed uh, if I, I, yeah. i'm sure god has a glorious welcome yeah. um i
3: think that's what i meant when i said he finishes what well what we've started because it's only Jesus mm. that saves. Mm. Mm. so yeah. what's the
0: there, that's what I meant oh mm. I, I see but, but it doesn't listen, I but suppose they might exactly that's, that's what I was together. yeah they might reject Absolutely. and that's not your responsibility and Linda yes be encouraged be encouraged yeah. how beautiful are the feet yeah. of that's those exactly. who yeah. bring yeah. good but news in, Alan, in, in hospital was asking
1: the staff and then came do
2: you know Jesus mm. no. Even the cleaner yeah. Yeah. do you
0: know Jesus he <laughs> used to do that <laughs> I
1: wanted Go ahead, Matt. I don't have
0: the
2: last word.
0: You won't. Friend, I'll always speak after you. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I was
7: saying that, that my wife and I went to a 50-year anniversary or a 20-year anniversary of the church, and there was, there was uh, things for people to look at history of the church, and uh, a, a lady came up to me and said, uh, oh, hello, uh, and uh, I don't suppose you recognize me, and, and I said, well, I'm a little bit familiar. She said, well, I'm one of the terrible twins. <laughs> And she said, I'm here because of you and mm-hmm. not why. Mm-hmm. Because you used to read at the end of the youth group a section from Pilgrim's Progress.
1: Mm-hmm.
7: And we used to mess around and et cetera, et, cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. and cause havoc. The theater, mm-hmm. She said, but I'm here because of you. Mm-hmm. You see, so you just never know. No. I mean, that was no. a beautiful thing for us, obviously, yes. to know that. Invariably, mm-hmm. we don't, mm-hmm. because we're just links in the mm-hmm. chain
0: often. Yes, yes, yes. 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 Mm-hmm. I think the thing is, Linda, you know, there's lots of stories actually, like Mike's is that one about the Sunday school teacher. Who, um, and that, that one really moved me. Uh-huh, so I'm going to finish with this one. Yes. Mike. <laughs> um, a Sunday school teacher in America, an old man, he was in his house and it, there was a knock at the door. And he opened up the door and there was a man in uniform standing there. And uh, he said, the man in uniform said, Mr. Whatever it was. And he said, yes. And he said, you don't know me. Um, Uh, He said, but uh, you knew, and he said this other name, Andrew Brown, and he, uh, I was next to him when he was dying in wherever it was, let's say the Gulf War, and he wanted me to tell you, he wanted me to come back and tell you that he was able to die because of what you taught him in Sunday school. He was able able to die in peace or die something like that. I've ruined the story, but that story. And that's the reality of it, Linda, that... um, there will be people you have spoken to who are able to die well because of what you've said. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but that was the story of it. That uh, you know. So anyway, um, please come tomorrow morning if you can, um, and, uh, and join us on Wednesdays mornings for prayer because we pray where we pray for boldness and courage to go out and do what we're going to do and. Uh, no, we don't normally meet on a Wednesday. Once a month we meet on a Wednesday at 10 uh, for prayer. Um, yeah. No, it's not the first. It's, it's, uh, the next one is on your schedule. Yeah. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow is evangelism. Father, I'm going to finish up finally. <laughs> Lord, um, thank you so much for, oh, so much that's in your word, Lord, so much that shows us and teaches us and and helps us to clear out all the confusion and what would otherwise be chaos in our minds, Lord God. Thank you for your word that really pierces through um, by your spirit like a two-edged sword, Lord God, and cuts through right into the depths of who we are and shows us truth. You do really put truth in the innermost being, Lord, and it's just amazing, and I... um, I thank you for it. I thank you for all that we will learn, all that we will know. I thank you for this calling to go and make disciples. I thank you that you have asked us to join you in that work. And oh, Lord God, I I pray, knowing that you will enable us to do it, I pray for each one here that we would, over the course of today and tomorrow, come before you and say, I'm all in, Lord. I want what you want, and I'll go where you want. And I pray all of that, Lord God, for your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.